0: Sports fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Huge, huge episode coming at ya with JLo in tow. Plenty of basketball to discuss after two Game 7 blowouts in the conference semis. The field is now set for each conference finals in the East and the West. So JLo and I give our tidbits and talk about what we can expect over the next seven games, or the best of seven games, I should say. Draft lotteries tomorrow. By the time you're listening to this, you'll probably know which team has won the lottery. So we tease that slightly. I reckon that's something I'll touch on later in the week in podcast form. AFL Fantasy stuff gets a mention, as per usual. Big, big week at the trade table for those who own Took uh, St- Jack Steele, rather. Took Millers, who I'm trading in, if you couldn't tell. And then we touch on a couple of teams in the AFL and whether we think they're going to finish higher or lower based on the standings currently. And another Mount Rushmore segment coming at you. This time j and I are picking our Mount Rushmore's, our respective Mount Rushmore's after we draft booming left foot kicks. So a bit of Trent McKenzie the cannon, a bit of Jack Steele, a little bit of Giannis and Luca, plenty of stuff to enjoy for sports fans. So let's dive right in. It's Tuesday, but it doesn't matter what day of the week it is. I'm always happy to be joined by J-Lo on the beautiful sports by Fry Airwaves. How the bloody hell is the 17th of May treating you? Jacobin? Been a good, pretty good day. Got my steps
1: in today, which is always good. Played some b-ball at the park fun. last night. Uh, dominated, which was good. Oh, well, How the, how'd, the calf be... go? how'd the calf go? Uh, it, it gave me trouble, but uh, I made it through and... <laughs> Um, I reckon I must have been close to a triple-double with steals last Ooh. night, eh? Yeah, I've, yeah I was Isn't turned on defensively. Yeah, right. C-grade. C-grade
0: B-ball. <laughs> Who doesn't love some C-grade basketball? Uh, yeah. Quick GSFL update. Uh, the boys are 3-1. and one. Sharky's three never, one. ever been 3-1 and one before in the league setting. So that's exciting. Got a big test against the reigning Prems uh, this week. Who we lost to in the prelim last week, uh, last year? So, yeah, roundabout way of saying we have got a big, uh, big game on our hands. But there's actually plenty of other basketball and football and other shit to talk about. Uh, I, I oh, hate starting. There is. Yeah, there's a bit of stuff going on. Oh, okay. Jeez, I hate. Didn't, uh, didn't hear about it. Yeah, you don't. You don't have anything on for the next hour and twenty, do you? Because uh, there's no. a lot on the agenda. Oh God, let's let's dive in, mate. I hate starting sports by Fry podcasts on a somber note but we have to address this situation because Andrew Simons sadly passed away uh in the time that since we've recorded our last podcast and I think it'd be it'd be fair to assume that there's probably no cricketer that between the two of us we love more like we've we've all got our favorites right everyone's got their favorites I'm a big Brett Lee fan everyone loves a bit of Nathan Lyon you've got I'm sure a couple of others up your sleeve, but you'd be hard-pressed. Yeah, Brian Lara. You'd be hard-pressed to find a bloke or anyone, really, whether you're a cricket fan or not, that's not a a big enthusiast of Roy. Uh, Actually, for the better part of, I don't know, what was it, like seven years when we were living together, the bat that we would play cricket with had the Roy zone on it. It was literally a bat crafted, I heard, by Andrew Simons himself by hand, and that's what I'm telling my grandkids, so... Uh, yeah, sad, sad story, uh, Roy Simon's passing away. Obviously, we've lost him now. We've lost Warnie, uh, lost Jeff Marsh. So a bit of, bit of a blow for cricketing legends and cricketing characters in general. So, Rod, Rod Marsh, Rod Marsh. What did I say? Jeff. Yes. <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> but Jeff Marsh is probably still kicking. But yeah, sadly, Rod Marsh is uh, no longer with us. Um, usually, I hit you with useless sports by Frye stats. There's nothing useless about these numbers. Uh, do I have a guess? What do you reckon Roy's highest test score is? Um, being in the two hundies, wouldn't it? Not in a test match, nah. Okay. Yeah, probably right. a bit lower then. Probably did that in a first-class innings, let's be honest. Uh, 162 not against India okay. back in 08 at the SCG. There's a lot of... Uh, I did do a deep dive trying to find some good relevant Roy numbers, and there was a whole lot of... For his batting position, he has the most runs, wickets, sixes, in boundaries in ODIs, Tests, T20s. Like he was at that five or six spot on the batting card, he was elite. Good old Roy Simmons, and also the, the
1: the fielding that was what made Roy special. I reckon the fielding, He was just the run out man. He was he was one of the the few or well, the blokes who ushered that great era of Australian cricket fielding like yeah. we had Lee Hussey Ponting but Roy was right at the the precipice the spearhead of he was the head of the snake oh, it's a Roy. great
0: call it's a great call I didn't actually uh have too many stats to go off his uh fielding but yeah when you think of a bloke pinging at one stump of its side on for a run out he's right up there uh it's 16 sixes in a first class innings which I think was a record that stood for about 15 or 20 years recently been broken but Again, like I said, for runs, wickets, all sorts of other combos at his uh, batting position, there's probably no one that will compare. So, yeah, rest in peace, Roy Simon's uh, sad loss for the sporting community. Yeah,
1: that one really hit hard, I'll be honest. I love that bloke. Yeah, I love that bloke. Yeah, anyway.
0: That happens. Uh, Life goes on, and we saw over the weekend that the torch was snuffed for a couple of NBA teams who we thought might have had uh, a little bit more in their legs, but wasn't meant to be Devin Booker. I know you're, you're going to address the Devin Booker scenario and you, you, you might shed a tear, probably a joy, don't know, but yeah, if you had have told me at the start of the playoffs that before the conference finals, the Suns and the Bucks were going to lose in a game seven, I would have been pretty surprised. And Mm. The Boston game, we'll dive into both of these games and then the conference finals, we'll do a bit of a preview. But the Boston game, I woke up because that was, what, 3.30 a.m. our time. I wasn't brave enough to try and get up for that. But I did knuckle down, get ready to watch uh, at least the first half of Dallas, Dallas and Phoenix with my basketball kids. I was all right, kids. We're not doing a practical today. We're doing a theory. And the theory is uh, let's watch this game seven and we'll talk basketball. And then, yeah, end up with me and about three kids just kind of shaking our heads as what the hell is going on. What is Dallas doing? Mm -hmm. What is Phoenix doing? So uh, balls in your court, pun intended, which game seven do you want to unpack first? Why don't we start with the, the Bucks one so
1: then we can finish on a high. Yeah.
0: Okay. Okay. We will. Um, so that game seven became the Grant Williams cameo. He went seven of 18 from three. I don't know if that bloke shot 18 total threes in the other playoff games combined so far this year, but Giannis did his Giannis things. I think from memory, he had like 10, eight and six in the first quarter, finished with 20 something, 20 something and eight or nine. So historic numbers from Giannis. Drew Holiday has, hasn't really thrived as like another scoring option. For Milwaukee, shown you can do it in the past and there's other blokes that have pinch hit but that was all boston and i mean credit to them they just after the all-star break there were all the analytic nerds that were telling us that they're the odds on favorite to win the east and i think i'll have a lot of confidence in them against miami they that series might have been i mean it's too early to tell but it might have been like our nba finals in the sense of it was the best matchup between two squads like They went at it the whole series, even though it ended in a blowout, you still feel like that was the best series we've had so far without a doubt. And yeah, I'm, I'm honestly still a little bit shocked that we don't have the bucks still in the picture. I thought that they were going to get over this Miami, uh, this Boston hump sweep the floor with Miami and then whoever else was in their way, they were just going to take care of and defend their crown, but wasn't meant to be wasn't meant to be.
1: No. Yeah, it was, um, I, I would have liked that to be a little bit closer, but it, uh, I guess it sort of shows the, um, the, the importance of the others in playoff basketball. Like, you know, you always talk about the Stars when it comes to playoffs, and rightly so, but the others on Boston outplayed the others in Milwaukee because, you know, the Stars, Tatum and Giannis, had sort of comparable numbers. Brown and um, Holiday, pretty similar. But it was the Grant Williams game, and we've seen Horford step up and pretty much win Game Five for Boston as well. I mm-hmm. think it was Game Five. I could be getting it wrong, but um, sounds about right. Or six, one of the two. Um, yeah, so it's just a. It shows the importance of importance of depth. Um, but you know, I don't think anyone would have seen seven threes coming from Grant Williams or however many no. he hit. But um, yeah, it's. I feel it's a bit of a shame we're not going to get Giannis in the finals. I, I kind of we're sort of looking down the barrel of no real genuine top five players with maybe maybe Curry, maybe Luca are the only two who stand out to me as top fivers. Maybe making yeah. it, um, which is a bit of a shame. But at the same time, it just like we said it a few weeks ago. Obviously, culture is the new currency, and you can't. Buy a super team anymore, um, and not that Giannis was doing that, but uh, the Chris Middleton injury was huge and
0: yeah, massive. Yeah,
1: Boston have built something. So full credit to I mean, it's <clears throat> just shows the brilliance of Brad Stevens in the in any basketballing capacity in the front office now. Obviously, he was an elite coach. So, um, and who's the coach then? Is it Udoka? Yeah, mean Udoka. Yeah, I mean, wow what a what a start for him so yeah yeah, i'm looking forward to seeing boston go up against miami i feel i'll back boston and i think in that one um just because i think they've got a bit more depth than power but lots of guards on miami who will give boston a fair bit of trouble but mark smart he's a man who can get it done on that end and we'll just see jason tatum's no uh, scrub on the defensive end either so it's going to be a The East finals strike me as a little bit more interesting than the the West. Um, I mean, there's always different storylines, but sort of two really good teams going at it
0: in the East now. Second time in three years that we got a Boston Miami Conference finals, which is interesting. Mm. Last time that happened was obviously in the bubble. I think, just quickly to address a few of the things you touched on, I think I'm more interested in the West finals, and obviously we'll unpack that a bit, but I also think that there's a lot of buzz around Boston right now. Like they've hit the playoffs streaking. They've just knocked off the reigning champs. So a lot of people, and I think myself included initially, was like, ah, well, all right, Boston advances to the NBA finals. And then I guess I wonder who they're going to play, but Miami Mm. can't be brushed off that lightly. Like they did beat a very talented Philly team. Um, Atlanta probably didn't give them too much grief in round one, but, they need to find their mojo consistently. And I do wonder how like Tyler Hero and the Max Struces of the world, those guards are going to go up against like the defensive juggernaut that Boston does offer. I do think Jace Tatum, I know he, he probably didn't shoot the ball. Actually, let me find out. No, going off Jason Tatum records, I don't reckon he would have shot the ball great during the conference, no. uh, the conference semis, but, you know, he's, he could push his name into that top five maybe. At least top yep. ten category if he makes a run towards the finals or potentially takes this Boston team all the way and wins a chip. He only shot I think now these, that I'm looking at it. Go on. I was gonna say I think these
1: playoffs have probably put Tatum into the top ten for me, yeah. in my
0: mind. He's yeah, he deserves all the uh credit he's getting. He only shot forty three percent from the field and thirty-seven percent from three, but you know, like. If you average those numbers across a playoffs or across a season, you you take that. He's averaging twenty seven points. Yeah, and he had that massive. Yep. I think it was in Game Six. Had his massive like forty six point burst. So, I I'm, I'm intrigued in that series, but again, I think the other one interests me more. Uh, give me give me a pick. Give me a prediction. Miami or Boston in how many?
1: I reckon this might go all the way. Um, <clears> like Jimmy Butler's in great form, and Miami's. Miami's just that weird team that they just they don't lose much bas- many basketball games, so. No. Um, I reckon I think Boston will get it done. I like their defense and I like their star power. Um, but that said, it's a bit of a like-for-like like kind of matchup, really. You feel like Boston and Miami are probably the two of the more similar teams in the league. They've sort of got that defensive identity a couple of scorers who can really get it done, Um, get it done in different ways. But I do wonder if the shooting of Miami might really stretch Boston and sort of wear them out, particularly because like we sort of said last week, Boston's going for six or seven man rotations most of the time. So if you're just running around chasing a, you know, at a Tyler Hero or a Strews or an Oladipo and while still getting smacked by Jimmy and um, Bam, that's going to take toll in seven yeah. games. Yeah, hundred percent.
0: I think I don't think don't we're going say to get it. Nah, I wasn't actually. I don't think we're going to get a Grant Williams cameo again. And I do have a little bit of doubt over Kyle Lowry's health slash ability slash how much he's going to struggle against the likes of Marcus Smart and uh, trying to think who else is a guard for Boston, uh, Derek White. Solid defender. I, I wouldn't <sighs>
1: expect him to get Marcus Smart though. I think Marcus will go on to Jimmy.
0: You don't throw like Jalen or Jason against Jimmy.
1: I'd put my best defender on Jimmy. Like they're mm. pretty similar size. Jimmy's not a big guy, six six. I think Marcus Smart could
0: handle him. Yeah, true. uh I think. I can't pick six, I think I'm going to side with Boston in five, which I know kind of contradicts myself after I was just saying we can't sleep on the heat. I think I wouldn't be honestly surprised if Miami won game one. Like Boston's just been in a really Mm. mentally draining, physically draining series. The heat got to take care pretty easily of business against the sixes and have had a couple of extra days. But yeah, uh, gut says six. But if I'm not allowed to pick six, then I would pick Boston to... uh, to claim it in five. I've got a bit more faith in them, a bit more faith in their list, top to bottom, a bit more faith in their star power. And I think, yeah, those factors should see them advance to the NBA finals. To play, either Dallas or Golden State. Now, let's address the elephant in the room. Phoenix absolutely fucking shat the bed. That might be, I don't want to say the worst playoff loss that I've seen from a franchise that had like really high expectations, but it's got to be right up there. Cause the way that they just got smashed off the floor, it was like 40 points halfway through the third quarter. I stopped watching before halftime. Cause I was like, this is over. It was like 25, 30 points already. Phoenix is fucked. So uh, <laughs> I know that obviously you'd be a bit mentally uh, distraught at the thought of no Devin Booker still in the postseason. Chris Paul didn't have his greatest moment either. DeAndre Ayton got benched with five points in 17 minutes and all the buzz is that they're going to trade him. So did we just watch Phoenix die? Is this like the end of their potential run? Chris Paul's getting older. If they trade a couple of boys to try and stay under the cap, like we, we've spoken a lot at length about Devin Booker. He's, uh, he's a great scorer and a good player, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. Phoenix really let that one slip.
1: I think this might have been Phoenix's best opportunity and probably last opportunity to win, come out of the West anyway. Um, With that oh, I know construct they did that they've year. got? 100%. Like, yeah. <clears throat> you know, we've talked about Chris Paul. Well, I've talked about it, about him just genuinely not being a winner in the same way that Melo wasn't. And I don't know, maybe it's a bit harsh to put T Mac in that category, but... There's just the guys who it's... just don't get it done, mate. He was 30, 32 minutes. He shot, he shot 50, percent. He was 10 and four, like for, you know, a guy we potentially put in the top 10 in the league at, you know, at the end of the year. At
0: least in the combo.
1: Yeah. Devin Booker was just a dud, 21% from the field. Bridges, six points. Crowder, five points and four rebounds in 27 minutes. Like, you look at the list sort of of the blokes who played, you know, meaningful minutes, and you kind of like, yeah, we we don't buy pain. Shammer is just a bit of a meh, whatever. Cam Johnson's pretty good, but you know, like he's not a he's not a, like an NBA championship caliber player. He's not gonna push you over the edge. McGee's a bit of a bum. Biombo is nothing. You know, Aiton's the one guy who you kind of like, oh, you can build around this cap, but maybe they trade him. I think Phoenix is in real trouble. Um, and, you know, Devin Booker is a great player as much as I dislike him. But I was so glad to see those cocky, like, you know, hateable sons go out the way they did. Um, and just shows you being a good guy
0: pays, mate. Being a nice person pays off. Nice blokes like Spencer Dinwiddie who uh, are highlighted as an X-factor who could have his little moment. And, yeah, late in that second quarter, he and Luca were canning buckets like, I don't know, I'm trying to think of a good one-two punch. Kyrie and Kevin Durant. Oh, mm I don't know. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. Uh, All right. (laughs) They were canning buckets
1: like Heinz Baked Beans Factory.
0: Yep. Yep. Yeah, Yeah. shout out Heinz (laughs) Baked Beans. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think, yeah, similar to uh, the question I posed you, I think we might have seen it's a very small window that they had, but I don't know how Phoenix rebounds from this without overhaul. Like you can't really bring all those boys back and like run it back. I mean, if I was running the Phoenix suns, that's what I'd try to do. I'd pay eight and I'd keep Chris Paul. I'd keep Booker. I'm like, you can't really get another floor general to replace Chris Paul. He's obviously at the twilight of his career, but he's still achieved a shitload throughout it. So I would try and, you know, ring it for all that the uh, cloth's got in it. But uh, I feel like that was it. They, they had a small window. They didn't capitalize on it. They had two golden chances. They, they shot themselves out of it, really. Like that first half that I watched, it wasn't even like Dallas was just playing elite. I was just looking at Phoenix, like like, go, look alive, play with some energy, yeah. like move the ball around. But it was just, they were flat. They were at home as well. And the, yeah, the I mean, other thing
1: is the rest the rest of the West is rising. Like I think we all everyone well yeah, maybe, 100%. maybe more than anyone, but Denver is gonna be dangerous next year. Obviously, um, the Grizzlies are you know looking like they could take over the league for the next five years. Healthy clippers team. now. So hey I said a healthy
0: Clippers team, like
1: Yeah, yeah. And you know, you know the Lakers are gonna do something. So man, I think be? they're in trouble. I think they're in trouble.
0: I, I'm disappointed because I really wanted to see Phoenix give at least like another run to the finals, or at least like if I had a picked a team in the playoff field that I would want to win. There's a couple of, like, you see that Bismack biombo story that came out recently? No. I just made me really enjoy the bloke and love the bloke. Like he went over to, I can't remember exactly where he's from, somewhere in Africa forgive me for uh, not knowing exactly specifics, but went over there and then came back to the league. And with the profits that he's making from his salary, he's building like a hospital in his dad's name. I think when he originally went back to Africa, his dad died of COVID. And so it's a pretty inspirational story why he got back into the NBA. And I've always mm. loved Chris Paul. I've been a fan. I wanted one of those uh, aquary like Hornets mm. jerseys for years uh, I loved him when he was like turning OKC around and he was just like a bouncing around the league and like fixing franchises for lack of a better term. So I've always had a soft spot for him and would love to have seen him go for it. But that might have been it. Like you said, not exactly a winner. It uh, doesn't have the greatest track record in the playoffs. I think he's now blown, what, five 2-0 leads in the postseason. He's lost six game sevens. I think he's 0 6 in game sevens. So, Ugh.
1: yeah.
0: Well, he's never big, won a game seven. That's that, has he? He
1: hasn't made it. Big wolf. Three.
0: Big wolf from Chris mm-hmm. Paul. So, uh, we do need to give some credit to Dallas. I already alluded to Spencer Dinwiddie's heat check ability and the way that Luca's playing. I wouldn't be surprised if. The Mavs really pushed this Golden State team. I don't think I'm going to pick Dallas, but I guess now that they've advanced is uh, a good time to tell you. But after Phoenix went up 2-0, I watched that game too and I was like, something about this Dallas team. I like the way they look. Let me just uh let me just open up good old sports bet. Ooh. 34 to 1. Dallas was to win the chip. And I had 107 something so I was like oh I don't need that seven bucks so I've invested that on the Dallas Mavericks to win the chip hopefully I can cash out uh in the finals if they beat Golden State or at some point in this series but this Dallas team's legit I think Luca's arguably like you said the best player left in the playoffs not named Steph Curry uh and it seems like they've even though some of the pieces you might question they've built a Team around him that he can trust and still get it done. Like the big dudes, like Maxi Kleber and Dwight Powell are playing their roles. Uh, Dorian Finney-Smith um, a good shooter. some shots. Yeah, and Brunson's obviously had his his own moments in the sun throughout this postseason and pretty much throughout the the year itself. He started to kind of up his up the ante and talk about getting paid. So, yeah, I'm not going to be shocked if I see Dallas push this Golden State squad. Um, is there anything that we need to talk about regard to the Dubs? I feel like considering they've been here time and time again, we know what we're going to get with them. Bit of a different Golden State squad to years past, but they're still the same like spearhead
1: steering the ship. They're the same spearheads, but like we just sort of talked about in the Boston series, it the others do just win your game mm. every every series, especially if it stretches to seven. And I don't trust. Golden States, others, I wouldn't count Poole in that um, category, but I don't trust Trudeau Porter yep. and um, Kevon Looney and Kaminga to get a win. Whereas I do trust Spencer Dinwiddie. I do think Batards can hit five threes in a
0: game. Batards is the other I, one I forgot. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I feel like Powell and Cleaver can sort of combine for 20, 25 points in a game and, really stretch a team I've got a lot more faith in the and I think we said this last week you go down the list and you know who everyone is on the Mavs roster which you know let's be honest like Boban could come in and really give Golden State issues because they have no center like Looney was really stretched by Jokic and like I've seen Boban come in and give Jokic problems you know and Denver problems so I I don't expect it to happen, but I actually think if I if I had money in a sports bet account and I I would pick the Mavs to win this, just Mm. because I think the combination of defense and the constant scoring threat that is Luca, and now I think I would consider Jalen Brunson in that category. They don't have good defensive guards, and we saw them struggle with Pat's out for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we saw them struggle with Jar and Desmond Bain, and even like Tyus. Is it Tyus Jones there in Memphis? Yeah, yeah. Just struggle with those guys. So I think I think um, we everyone will be surprised in a week's time or whenever it is when um, Luca and the Mavs go to the finals, and that's going to be. But then we're going to get all the Luca talk, like oh, he's the best player in the league, yada yada yada. But um, I'm happy to cop that, honestly. It's it's a real changing of the guard, yeah. Mm. And I think Chris Paul going down, kind of, kind of, sort of stamped that home um, for me. So let's go Mavs. I reckon they're going to get it done against the Warriors, who really only have they've got excuse me, they've got three punches, and you kind of know what they are. Jordan Poole, it's Clay Thompson, it's Steph Curry. They're bloody good punches and they can knock you out at any moment but I just think the Mavs are built really well to take down the Warriors.
0: I am definitely more excited to watch this matchup compared to Boston and Miami. Mainly because I think this one will be closer and you know what? I said it when I started to preview the Western Conference Finals but I think I'm going to flip. I think I'm going to join you and back in Dallas. Maybe it's the sports bet account speaking, but Kevon Looney had 22 boards in the closeout game against Memphis, like huge performance, but half of them were offensive. I don't expect him to replicate that again, anytime soon. I've been very vocal on my opinions on all-star Andrew Wiggins. Jordan Poole has been very, very hot at points this playoffs, but there's also been games where he's been very, very cold. So again, I think I'm succumbing a bit to recency bias because Dallas has obviously just pulled off a big upset, but I do trust some of those dudes. And I think that they've found their roles and there's probably only a couple of other little tweaks rather than like a, oh, they need Dallas needs to get Rudy Gobert or Zach Levine or something to pair with Luca. That'd be great. But if you pay Brunson and you finagle the roster a bit to bring in another shooter or two, or maybe another like Nerland's Noel type who can run the floor and get a couple of quick fouls quick blocks, quick rebounds. Like, I feel like that's all they're missing, really. So, whereas on the other hand, Golden State, I know that they're battle-tested and they've been here a couple of times before, but you're right. Like, they've got the Steph Curry and the Clay Thompson punch. And Clay probably hasn't had his best playoffs, so we're due for a 30, 35-point Clay game. But Draymond's been up and down, hasn't been shooting a lot. It's, you know, if you Low down some of those other dudes, and Steph or Clay's having an off night, and you're relying on Jordan Poole to carry the rest of the load. I'm not super confident on that Dubs team, so I, I think I think I'll go Dallas at seven. I think that will be my prediction, going all yeah, the way. I think I'll, seven. I'll join you. Yeah, great. Minds think alike. Uh hmm. you know the draft lottery is tomorrow.
1: Oh, you beauty. Right, and.
0: Uh, Because the Cleveland Cavaliers missed out on the playoffs, sadly, uh, our pick that we traded to Indiana in the Karis Levert-Ricky Rubio deal was lottery protected. So we got the 14th best odds to get a number one pick.
1: Man, you never know. You never know. The Cavs have got
0: sneaky in the draft. They've moved up a bit. The Cavs always tend to do well in the lottery. Don't know why, but... Um, <laughs> I was having a look at the top of the lottery standards to uh, standings today, uh, and I'll probably talk a little bit more about prospects once we know the order next week. But which franchise, before we go into some footy stuff, do you think needs the lottery win the most? So Houston has the best odds currently, and then you got the likes of Orlando, Detroit, Magic. yeah, <laughs> and the Thunder after them, and then a few other characters like the Pacers, Portland. I think the Pels have a couple of picks thanks to some trades with the Lakers. So you reckon the Magic need the the ping pong balls to bounce their way?
1: I feel like the Magic were unequivocally the worst team this year, followed by the Rockets. I think they're the, the worst two teams. Not that can not that sold on Jalen Brown. The Magic have literally no one, you know. Like who did they get? Jalen Green, recently? you mean? Uh, hey. Oh, did I say Brown? From Houston. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Definitely not sold on old greeny, even though he's a hyper athlete. Like there's a lot more to basketball than that. Um, and yeah, the magic are just so lost. They're just blown in the wind right now, mate. Like
0: Rudd-lish. they've got, I like
1: Wagner and you know, they've got a, a little bit, but like Isaac's never come good. Like he literally didn't play this year. Mo Bamba showed a little bit, but you know, he's not going to win your chip. They need the guy. They need yeah. the Chet Holmgren or, or whoever goes number one. I reckon they're the top two, but the Magic for
0: me—hard to argue. I mean, Orlando. I was thinking of as you were going through the Magic. I was like, oh yeah, they got Jalen Suggs last year, and they got Franz Wagner. And I think I'd be okay with parting with any other player on their roster. Like, No offense yeah. to my Bamba, who had a solid season, but I'm just like, there is just bones on that roster. At least with Houston, you can be like, right, they've got like a couple of those pieces, like Jalen Green-Brown and Kenyon Martin Jr. and a few other pieces. You're like, all right, like at least we have some identity here. Whereas Orlando I like, is just I like like, um, spare parts. I like Sengun as well. He's pretty <clears> nice. Yeah, I like the look of him. Up the, yeah. up the Sengun. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't be mad if Cleveland made a rise, but that might be me getting a bit greedy.
1: You'd probably end up trading it almost, you know. Oh,
0: yeah, I don't know. You guys are you still probably would if you were the Cavs.
1: You're in a funny time, like spot in your timeline, because you you only just got the number three pick. So actually, maybe that would work to draft so someone.
0: When you think of it, like that. yeah, like, uh, like we would... had Darius two years before that at five, Colin a few years before that at seven, like.
1: Yeah, you almost don't you almost don't want the number one pick if you're the Cavs in a funny way. Like give us the the top pick four or something and we might take someone. But the other team that jumps out just quickly is um Portland need anything to go their way. And I I would expect them to trade the first pick if they got it, um, and just load up with a star or something like that. But they really need something because they've got Lillard just dying dying on their
0: roster so hey master. maybe uh maybe you just managed to manufacture a trade i only say this because i saw a photoshopped photo with Lilith in this jersey earlier and get dame to uh the bucks or you get dame to the lakers or you get dame to the mavericks or you get him to another like team to become a two-headed monster that'd be fun
1: that would be fun. But we've seen Dame as a two-headed monster. It's, he's a ball-heavy point guard. It's a tricky. He's a tricky player, but he's bloody good. He's but bloody good. they need something. They need anything to go their
0: way. Fingers crossed uh, things go the right way for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, not the smoothest transition, but they have similar colours to the St. Kilda Saints, who oh. uh, have Jack Steele as their skipper. And... The bloke who's in about a quarter of fantasy teams across the country has been ruled out for six to eight weeks. Uh, we have to have to address some fantasy shit. There will be some other footy talk and a Mount Rushmore that's worth waiting for. But I'll be honest, I was really bummed when I found out Jack Steele was out because I had about two or three weeks worth of trades planned in my head, and I've been managed to go dush 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 and pull most of them off. And next week was meant to be the uh, the final tip of the cap but i'm ready to hit the buy rounds but an ac joint injury to steely has really uh, thrown a spanner in the works so i know you're not a jack steel owner but if you did have him and you could flip him to any player in the comp who would you get
1: um well i mean it depends on how you're sitting like if you don't have Gorn, i'd probably grab Gorny.
0: you reckon um, he's the number one say for example you've You've got a skeleton roster. Like your your midfield consists of anyone that you're not trading for, if you know
1: what I mean. Oh, look, it'd be hard to go past two Miller at the moment Uh, because you know you sort of those two are kind of connected at the hip because they started at the million dollar mark this year. Agreed. Um, But it would be bloody hard to go past Cal Mills the way he's going right now as well. Like he's probably a bit of a unique still nine percent owned. Um, I expect that to jump. I expect that to jump a lot. So it'd be one of those two for me. But um, obviously, me, I don't have Gorney. So he'd be behind the True. list as well. Yeah.
0: Tuke's in uh, 27% of teams for what it's worth. And at the moment, I've done that straight swap. I've gone Jack Steele to Took after I wasn't able to get him a couple of weeks ago. But I'm also in the position where I can get Millsy. I can get Alex Witherden, who is getting a lot of airtime on the Sportsby pods. And I'm really high on. There's uh there's really no one out of my price bracket because the other move will probably be someone like O'Driscoll or another bench dude down. And then, you know, Bob's your uncle. I'll trade steel to whoever and keep 200K. So I don't know. I don't think I can go past the Tukey. Uh, Cal Mills would probably be... He'd probably be my number one trade target if I didn't have him as... Jack Steele owner but I say that and I'm not trading him in so I don't know I just can't fully endorse Callum Mills I don't know why I've never fully loved the bloke he's a bit cut from a similar cloth to Isaac Heaney for me ever since he burnt me a few times I was like nah you're done mate you're not coming back into the large fries and coke unless there's been an apology letter written
1: yeah I I really like him he's just a hard nosed bloke he'll run with a a player and still have 30 and it probably means that he'll have seven or eight tackles. He's just on fire right now. And you sometimes you've got to ride those hot streaks. So he'd definitely be top of the list. Um, I reckon any of those Melbourne three, you couldn't go wrong with. True. Any yeah. of the Bulldogs mids, you can't go wrong with. If you don't have Cripper, get him. If you don't have Lockie, get him. If you don't have brace you know, the Welch kind of your oyster. It's a bit of a tricky question to answer because you can just go so many ways, but just... Absolute unequivocal premium and move on. I don't know. Just back yourself move, in.
0: Yeah, I think the move regardless is to turn him to another big name, whether it's a midfielder like you just named that you missed or a Gorny or a Jaden Short. Have some fun. With Dunkley. If yeah. you're one of the very few people who don't have the Dunks. I'm pretty sure Dunks is the most popular player in fantasy. 67. Actually, I want to double-check that because it's right up there with Dacos, teams. But, at, but at the moment, good old uh, Dacos has been traded out by a handful of cats. Yeah, there you go. Dunkley number one cat. Or should I Is say you one, of one the?
1: Dog? Yeah, if you're one of the 33% of teams who don't have him, maybe look at him.
0: I reckon they're the characters who've quit and uh, have lost their password conveniently already. Yeah. I've talked through my moves, but I want to know what the Kwasplorkin boys are doing. What do you got up your sleeve with your uh, two round 10 trades?
1: Yeah. A little bit tricky at the moment. It's looking like uh, probably being a double downgrade type Mm. of week for me. Um, Because I brought in Darcy Cameron last week and that just, that just cost a bit of money. Um, Sort of, I could have had the money to spend this week and, I don't know if I'm regretting it. He had a a good score and I think he will continue to score well and make me some Moolah. So, and hopefully get that Ruck. He'll absolutely get Ruck um, designation. Surely, surely. But um, at this point, it's probably just removing a couple of red dots. Um, I think as it stands, I'll probably have 29. Uh, I've sort of got one trade locked in. That's just getting rid of, Jakey Stone for uh, Luke Cleary, who had a good game for the doggies. Hopefully he can um, back up and just make a bit of money, play for a few games. That's all I really need from it this from him at this point of the year. And then just probably grab a, as cheap a bloke as I can. Hopefully someone gets named in the 190 realm and get rid of another um, red dot. But with that said, I kind of, I sort of always want to have one red dot so I can loophole things. So yeah, quite kind of conscious of that. Um, so it, it might even be a maybe a, I could maybe go Dacos out at this point. Um, although that would still leave me uh, well, that would leave me with Deconing on the on the field or Cleary or whoever one of those sort of rookie guys back there. So a bit bit cautious of that, but. If I could flip Dacos up to someone decent ish, I've probably got about 80 grand in the bank yeah. post-cleary trade. Maybe I can find someone, but it's more more likely than not going to be a double down kind of week and then really load up for next week heading into the buys pretty soon. So nothing particularly interesting on uh, my side of things, mate, but um, feel good. I'm just glad I got two instead of steel that week that I could have. Yeah, true. Good point.
0: Yeah. I think I'm very torn as to which Bulldogs backman to go for at the moment. And I've been getting a lot of questions. uh, Whether I go down the Buku Kamas route, who probably isn't going to score as well, but seems like he's more solidified in the Western Bulldogs 22. Tim O'Brien's a test uh, to potentially return on the weekend. And that could, pave the way for him to take Luke Cleary's spot. Might be an easy decision for us. But clearly, Cleary Cleary was the better scorer out of the two. So I'm also inclined to go that way. I don't know. I hope that one of them's out of the team on Thursday so it makes an easy decision for us. But if I pull off that manoeuvre and manage to get rid of Nathan O'Driscoll, then I'll have Sam Skinner as my only non-playing rookie or non-player, period in the squad and his defender forward status should hopefully help a couple of those loophole decisions, etc. It's very interesting to see the rising star. I might address on a a later podcast this week, but we've got the likes of Dacos, Nick Martin, um, who else is in the rising star mix? Hobbsy, Erasmus, Newcomb. Horn Francis. uh, Horn Francis. Yeah. But a, a lot of those rookies are really starting to flatline from a fantasy perspective. I think, I expect Nick Martin to bounce back the most out of all of them, but yeah. I wouldn't be shocked if Dacos wasn't in a lot of coaches' teams by the end, before he hit his buy arrives in round 14. I think everyone thought, right, that's when we'll cut ties with him and Horn Francis. That's what I've been saying all year, but JHF obviously didn't play last week. and Dacos is, I think he's only averaging somewhere in the high 60s for his last three, probably over his last five. He can't be much better than that. So I can't blame people for axing him. I would... Don't think I'd be able to get to anything of note if I did like a steel and Dacos out. Cause again, I got Darcy Cameron last week like yourself was doing a double downgrade until about five minutes before bounce down. So not unhappy. I got him in the squad, but those trusty trustworthy rookies on our field are becoming uh, pretty few and far between. So I wouldn't be surprised if coaches were aggressive, especially if you have a bit of cash in the bank, you could probably flip steel and Dacos to maybe a, uh, an Ollie Wines, who's I think 80 grand, hundred grand plus cheaper than steel, and use that and some savings you got to turn Dacos into a I know, Tom Stewart, something like that. That'd be a hell of a hell of a trade scenario. Hmm. Yep. Get get creative. Have some fun with fantasy. Have guys. some fun. That's why I'm getting took. Uh all right. Before we dive into Mount Rushmore, I want to do one other footy little tidbit I want to look at as I was perusing the AFL ladder earlier. There was a lot of teams that were locked. It was a pair of teams that were locked at the same win-loss record after nine weeks of the season. And I want you to play the hypothetical who's going to finish higher game with me. Uh, and Let's to go. make things interesting, I'm going to start at the bottom and work our way up. So the North Melbourne Kangaroos and the West Coast Eagles, are clearly two teams that people uh, go to watch, put bums on seats. But who's going to finish higher in the ladder this season? Do you reckon that West Coast can find some mojo to pip the Roos, or is North's rebuild still well and truly have them anchored at the bottom of the ladder?
1: I'm. Um, I would probably take if I take my heart out of it. I would still yeah. back West Coast. I think um, just because I think their engine room's going to continue to get blokes filtering back in dom Sheed comes back at some point um they've they've got enough through there and some of their younger guys who are running through there look good enough too Connor West looks really nice um he was great a really hard yeah hard nose player and i think that's what I mean, it's why he played really well on the weekend because it's exactly what west coast needs um greg clark looks looks pretty solid as well so I would take West Coast. The only thing that maybe sort of swings in North Melbourne's favour is they've got a forward who can put goals on the board um, so in Larkin, who I really like and really believe in. So I, that's the one thing North has going for them, but I'll take West Coast.
0: I would too. I don't think that's a, a bias opinion on your behalf as a, as a neutral party. The next one's a bit trickier. We got two teams locked at two and seven. The GWS Giants and the Essendon Bombers, both of which have been uh, uninspiring to say the least. I really thought that GWS would go into bat for Leon Cameron a bit more and the likes of, I mean, I think Kelly statistically had a solid game, but Toby Green was pretty shit. Whitfield and Cogs looked lost. Uh, Tim Taranto didn't have a great one either. It was, yeah, it was very glaring to see them struggle in what was Cameron's farewell game. But I think. Out of those two, I'd probably still have faith in the Giants beating Essendon out and finishing higher on the ladder than them. But where do you stand? What do you reckon?
1: I think I'd tend to agree. I guess the only thing that Essendon kind of has going for them is they're so low at the moment. So there's going to be a point, there's been a lot of talk like Matty Lloyd's getting into them for not, Back and dual shield when he when Luke Parker was yeah, doing the little right. shoulder thing. La and yeah, La Parker. I um so I, I feel like Essendon could really sort of turn on that dog factor and really just start to be pricks out on the footy field, which might get them going. Whereas I don't, I just don't think the Giants have that in them. They're a bunch of like white-collar front runners and they've got the the quality there that could that sort of may a, a bit of a bomb drop on them. um <laughs> i got no love loss for the giants i just do not enjoy them at all but um i would still pick the giants quality over the dons sort of youth and exuberism yeah. which is obviously lacking at the moment but that that is a real coin flip when you sort of introduce it i was like man obviously giants but actually i think that could go either way genuinely because i think the giants Seem pretty lost without Cameron and um, Finlayson. They've just got no one to kick goals. Like Toby's great, don't get me wrong, but you know, if they can't get the ball in there cleanly, uh, there's, there's problems. And also, a lot of the Giants seem like Josh Kelly's a good example. He'll have a ping from the boundary from 50 when there's better options. And I feel like that's a sort of a, a microcosm of a bigger problem. So I'll pick the Giants, but I've got a bit of love for you, Essendon. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's the Dons.
0: The numbers back it up. JWS has the third fewest points scored so far this year behind North and West Goes to a clear dead last and second last. So, yeah, the lack of, I mean, no offence to Harry Himmelberg, but they don't really have a but. a premier talent as a forward. There's a couple of them floating around between these two teams. Uh Hawthorne and Adelaide, both sitting at three and six. Hawthorne got off to, I don't know if they were three or no, but. They were. Actually? Yeah, that, all right. Sounds right. That's why I'm questioning myself. But anyhow, uh, regardless, they're now three and six, much like the Adelaide Crows. And I think I will side with Hawthorne to finish higher. But I tell you what, this one I reckon is the hard one to split.
1: Actually, no, they weren't three and one. They lost to the
0: Saints and Carlton in week. They wouldn't four have been too far. They wouldn't have been too far off it, though, right? Like they must have. They they won a couple of games early, which vaulted them up the ladder. Won their I first mean.
1: two and then beat the Cats in round five for
0: their yeah, three exactly. wins. Um,
1: I'm going to go with the Crows on this one, and it's this one's easy for me. I don't. I'm just not backing in the Hawks midfield. They're doing weird things with the Brownlee mm. medalist Tom Mitchell. Um, getting Sicily back in the back line is a is a boost for them, but I'm just not sold on their forward line either. Whereas Tex Walker is is a bastion for uh, for the, the Crows. Yeah, he's a shining light. He's obviously having a really good year. Um, I like the the sort of the desire from Ben Keys. He's like never takes a second off. He's one of those guys like Tuke Miller who just works hard all game, runs hard. Um, and obviously we, we love Lairdy um, the, the ruck situation's a bit better. They've got Jordan Dawson coming in, who's, who's starting to find his feet. I, I definitely, this one's actually quite easy for me. I think Adelaide by lands, in a landslide.
0: What makes me pick Hawthorne is pretty much off the park type of vibes so if i'm looking at sam mitchell and the hawks versus maddie Nix and the crows i feel like sam mitchell is going to get more out of his group regardless of how talented they are and finish higher than maddie Nix and the crows and if you put the lists stack them up next to each other obviously the hawks have some jets the crows do as well like you've just pointed out and even though there is a bit of randomness happening in that midfield like jaeger amira was out for a while jaeger or jagger Jago Ramirez was out for a while uh, and then come back and he, I think it was the Swans game. He played a really good game recently. Tom Mitchell has been managed in quotation marks. They do have some young kids coming through as well, but I feel like from a cultural standpoint, Hawthorne and Sam Mitchell are building and Adelaide, obviously after finishing last and then maybe 15th or so, it seemed to be trending in that same direction, but let's have more faith in Sam Mitchell and the Hawthorne hierarchy getting more out of their playing list and vaulting them. But to be honest, they're probably both destined to finish in the middle bottom half of the standings, right? Uh, There's a couple of teams at four and five, so we won't go through them. There's actually four squads who are locked. And then there's a very interesting one. We got the Tiggies and the Cats at seven and eight on the ladder with five wins and four losses, respectively. Uh, we crapped all over Geelong last week. Oh, I did, personally, mm-hmm. and I don't think I'm going to go back on that uh, that statement. I think I'm going to back in the Richmond Tigers, especially with Dusty back. I feel like I can't, don't have the injury list off the top of my head, but I feel like they've got more cattle in the sheds to come back. Dion Prestia has been banged up and in and out for the whole year. You've got likes like uh, blokes like Jack Graham, who has, you know, he hasn't really hit his straps yet. Noah Bolter seems to be firing. Tom Lynch is in arguably the best form of his career. Jack Rewalt definitely looks 32 slash 33 or however many years old he is. But I still have more faith in the Tigers and mentally they're probably preparing themselves for one last serious push before, you know, it wouldn't shock me if Cochin or Shane Edwards or a big group of those boys bowed out this year and next. So I side with the Tigers and I do so pretty comfortably.
1: Yeah, I I really like the Tigers. And I think a few weeks ago when we were discussing who can challenge, I probably put them in there. Um, But I don't realistically expect them to challenge for premiership. I hear what you're saying with getting blokes back, but I think I'm going to side with the Catters. I'm just sort of rolling back through their losses. They've played some really tough teams. they lost to the Swans they lost to you boys, they lost to the Saints and there's one other, oh, they lost to the Hawks, which is always one of those games, doesn't matter how. It's just like, eh?
0: yeah,
1: it doesn't matter how they're tracking. um, You know, that's always, each team's tracking, that's always one of those games where it's a bit of a level playing field. I'm going to pick the Cats because both teams are system sides, but I like the Cats' home ground advantage a bit more. And I just, even though they've both got ageing stars, I feel like the wheels might really fall off for, well, they could fall off for Richmond, whereas I don't think that'll happen with the Cats. The Cats are just so consistent. They've got GMHBA, which is a massive boost. Huge. Um, so I'm going to go with the Cats just because I don't think they can challenge for the premiership. I think their ceiling and floor is closer together, whereas the, 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 the Tiggies could... Could kind of go either way, so I'll, I'll pick the cats and that's that's more of a like a safety pick than anything.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if I don't again expect either of those two teams to push for the flag, but I wouldn't be surprised if they both were in the top eight by the end of the season. Swans and Saints tied at six and three a piece. I've had my bit to say about Sydney in podcasts recently. And even though St. Kilda just knocked off Geelong, I think I'm still siding with the Swans. I still think that they're a team that's destined to finish in the top six, top eight, at least uh, win a final or two. And I don't I could see them playing on grand final day. I don't expect them to be, but I don't think in my mind, I can see St. Kilda doing that. Maybe this is me being a bit of a saints hater. Cause I haven't really been in on them all year. I'm waiting for, the game or the month or the fortnight where they kind of let a couple slip and they're still going all right but I think I'll side with Sydney. I um
1: it's just started raining really heavily here so sorry if that's coming through on the mic. Uh can't everyone, hear it at all um, oh that's good I've got the like the background noise cut down really low like a high high cut or whatever. But um nice I'm, nice yeah I'm gonna um I'm gonna go against you again here. Um I just don't have that much faith in Sydney. Um, and I, again, it's kind of the ceiling floor thing. I think Sydney is much more locked in where they're going to finish. Like you said, probably top six, probably I would pick fifth or sixth. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think the Saints can continue to push up the ladder and potentially I feel like they're a potential top four side, whereas I don't have that same faith in Sydney. Um, and I just don't quite trust their young midfielders um, down the stretch. Whereas I mean I actually I, now I'm thinking about it, Steele's out. So that's pretty major. And I need to take that but into you account. Know, but I, you,
0: Yeah, you throw that in and you still, you know, it's a season long potential prediction. You don't think that Jack Steele like the Saints are pretty good. They're not they're no scrubs. And I again been sleeping on them a bit, but you don't think Jack Steele's gonna have like that much of an impact, do you? Or he's absence, sorry.
1: He's their captain? Is their spiritual leader? He's kind of uh, got them through the last few years, but I am gonna, I'm gonna stick with the the Sainers. Uh, you know, I, I don't know why everyone has is so high on Sydney. I'm still get yet to get a really good explanation of why people think they're a legitimately good team. Their midfield's weirdly young and uh, weirdly old. There's no middle ground. Their forward line, uh, Papley's electric, but Buddy's old as dirt mcdonald's young as uh as younger. something as young, yeah as, as a, a still fully formed rock um yep. awesome. that's yet to become dirt uh, i don't know their backline's a bit weird like lloyd kind of lost it rampy's good heaney's the only real star star on their list in my opinion whereas i think the saints have maxi king's a, a genuine bona fide star i like their sort of their running capabilities on the outside. I like their inside bulls. Zach Jones hasn't played much. Billings is uh, has he played yet? I think this last week was his first game back. Maybe came back, yeah. And I, their ruck divisions phenomenal. Like Paddy Ryder kind of won that game on the weekend. Rowan Marshall's great, and you can go forward and be damaging he sort of moves around in similar vein to Timmy English. So I'm going to take the Sages, Um, just because I don't have much faith in Sydney more than the fact that I've got faith in St. Kilda.
0: Each their own. Again, as I'm looking at that, I could be talked into picking St. Kilda. And I think <sighs> out of those two teams, yeah, I don't know. No, I'm sticking with my guns pick Sydney. Uh, Carlton. Stick with your heart. Carlton and Frio. I think this one is going to be quick because I think that even though Carlton were able to pick up a pretty good win against GWS on the weekend, we've talked about how much of a shambles they are missing a lot of cats. They got Harry Mackay out. Um, obviously what's his name? Williams has just gone down. There's a few other boys. I'm sure I'm forgetting Pitnet, they've lost Govsy. I uh, have no one's heard from Ed Kerner yet this year. They've had their own woes. And I think that the Dockers, might not hold on to third where they're currently sitting, but I still expect them to finish higher than the Blues because I also predict a bit of a slide from them given their injury toll and some of the characters they've still got to play. They've had some good wins and they've won the games they need to, but I still think that Frio has higher prospects than the Carlton Blues for 2022.
1: Yeah, I think I'll agree on that one. I would say I think you've... Um the injuries weren't affecting the Blues, I might actually choose to side with them. They're mm. sort of, their midfield is phenomenally good at the moment. Like Walsh, Hewitt, Kennedy's playing well and Cripps is maybe the best player in the league, right? probably the Brownlow medalist. So I probably would go with them, but the injuries, the Mackay, the Govs, the Zachy Williams, that's big. So And Freo just has that, that like, they just find a way to win um, mm. in weird situations. They're plucky. They're young. Uh, they've got a great backline. Um, who's kicking their goals? Still a question. But I'll I'll, go, I'll side with the the Dockers as well. Up no one, top. if
0: no one, if you uh, watch the Gold <laughs> Coast game, no one's kicking medals
1: goals. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. Let's not forget that just happened. That was pretty. That was pretty brutal. In all honesty. Honestly.
0: Yep. Yep. That was a that was a quick reality check and I mean if you think they beat Geelong by three points if that game goes for five more minutes Geelong probably kicks another snag they beat Adelaide at like the definition of the death by a point so they could very quickly be five and four or even worse so you know footy's a weird wonderful game there's obviously going to be uh, ups and downs and tricks and turns but I still have faith in Fremantle finishing higher than the Blues you ready? It's time. I think it's doing. time It's time for Mount I'm Rushmore. Ready. So last week, for those people that didn't listen to the podcast, we introduced uh, my new favourite segment, is where we pick our own individual Mount Rushmores. So last week, we did international NBA players, did it in the form of a draft. We both compile our top four, and then we compare the pair. So this week, we are looking at Booming. Booming left foot kicks. Because you can't really get an, you know, a left footer that's not booming. They either have the boom or they're just they may as well not be mentioned. Booming or, or raking. Raking is the other one. Yep. Yep. Good verb. Uh, and <laughs> we have given some, you know, shout out to Dom Sheed, arguably the best left foot kick of all time. Uh yep. shout out to Scott Pendlebury, who might have the best left foot foot skills of all time. Uh, someone like Sam yeah. Mitchell, who was a right footer, but arguably had one of the best left foots of all time. None of you are getting a mention in this bit because we're looking for distance over accuracy. But if you can add a little bit of accuracy into that boom and left foot, that's what matters. So I've got my list. You've got yours. You know what? I'm confident. I'm, I'm confident. Last week's one was a clear landslide victory for JLo. So I'm going to let you have the first pick again. Oh, you're joking. Yep. I feel like
1: I feel like the number one bloke. Um, maybe, maybe I'm wrong, but is, is clearly number one again, just like last week. We'll and find out, I guess. Mate is one of the greatest players to ever grace us with his with his left foot in in AFL history. Champion of the game. Um, probably the best Indigenous player ever, and so yep. I'm going to go with with Lance. Buddy Franklin, and he—I he, know he isn't the boomingest of left kicks, uh, foot kicks, but mate, he—you know—in his prime, he'll launch a sixty-meter bomb from the boundary. Go get a bit of right to left, and just no problem, super accurate, great around the field, or oh, underrated field kick. Yeah, um, so Lando, Lando's coming my way, one million and- percent. That wasn't even a question.
0: Oh well, that's good because I actually wouldn't have drafted him first. I'm about to take my oh. first overall pick. But I tell you what, there's a lot of highlights and, uh, you know, they say they're old highlights. It's from like 20 fucking 15. It's not that old, but where there's a buddy wheeling around on his famous natural arc and the bloke on the mark is like 52, 55 meters from goal. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, he, he definitely qualifies as a boomer.
1: The last thing about buddy is I know he's going to look really good on a a four-person lineup on Instagram. <laughs> People will see it and go, oh, well, that's obviously a better list because it's Buddy." You
0: know. You know what? I didn't think about that. Well done, because <laughs> this bloke that I'm about to draft is probably not going to get a lot of uh, <laughs> a lot of accolades for his uh, his little headshot. But I'm taking Ben Graham, who arguably yeah, I... has has the biggest left foot kick in AFL history the kick out over the square he went to become an NFL punter that's how much of a booming left foot kick this bloke's got uh you could go down a lot of different routes and I would be lying to you if I said I watched all of Ben Graham's left foot booming kicks but I tell you what over the last couple of days I've watched most of them on YouTube so Ben Graham is coming to uh coming to my side for the first pick well done uh,
1: he was sitting third on mine um Partly oh, because
0: don't, don't take the bloke I want, number two.
1: Oh, uh, look, you know, it's you never know these things, but I'm going to go a uh, but well, he was one of my favorite forwards back in the day. Um, oh, I reckon you're going to playing alongside Matty Lloyd, big old Scotty Lucas. Scotty yeah, Lucas, man. you know, he was a champion goal kicker, like he really did get it done in the sort he of the goal great. scoring tallies, had some massive ones. I think he had that. There's like one game against West Coast where he kicked like five in the last or four in the last and just like, I don't know if they won it, but like got like dangerously close and he could absolutely launch a ball. No, he's not quite in the, the Benny Graham sort of category. I feel like out of who's got the biggest booming left kick, Ben Graham is head and shoulders above anyone else in the AFL history, but. I think, you know, between Lance and and Scotty Lucas, those boys must have 460-plus metre goals between them. So I'm going with Scotty.
0: I I was very close to taking him number two, I'll be honest. Uh, The Scott Lucas cameo that you're talking about, I was also going to mention, and I had all the stats ready to go. Uh, It was Kevin Sheedy and James Hurd's final AFL game. That's right. And Scotty Lucas tried his best to get them over the line. The bloke kicked seven goals in the last quarter. They it were was down, seven. Okay. Yeah. They were down. Hang on. Let me get this accurate. They were down by 44 at three quarter time and West Coast ended up winning by eight. So he is a definite booming left foot kick. He is uh, deserves to be on the radar and... Yeah, I'm a little bit scattered because uh, he was of course, potentially my next pick, but I think I'm, I think I'm happy with who I'm going to lock in next. And again, boom factor is through the roof with this bloke. Uh, more known for his uh, achievements as a Gold Coast son. Hasn't exactly launched a couple of big bombs as a Port Adelaide Pair member. But Trent McKenzie can't be ignored in this exercise. He, uh, Have you watched that YouTube video of him just like kicking for fun? Uh, I think it was like his first couple of years at Gold Coast and they just take him back 10 metres at a time and he ends up like kicking goals from like 80 metres with torps and stuff.
1: Ring the bell actually, maybe not recently, but I feel like I've seen it.
0: Yeah. Oh, I see it today. And I I will happily uh, slot Trent McKenzie into the number two spot. So halfway through, we got Ben Graham and Trent McKenzie versus Scott Lucas and Buddy Franklin. (laughs) Uh, people
1: might not even read like the caption and just go, that's clearly the best team. Like, <laughs> so I'm pretty happy. Trent McKenzie was fourth on my list. So the top four, my top four are gone. And, um, you know, anyone with, I don't even have Trent McKenzie written down. I've just got the cannon. Yeah, so, <laughs>
0: actually I wrote cannon McKenzie.
1: <laughs> yeah. If you've got your, your nickname is the cannon. That's, that's nothing new. Then. um, That's nothing to sneeze at. I'm going to go... I feel like I've got boom factor, quality, pretty well covered. And so now I'm going to start to kind of get a bit of... Almost sort of a bit more accuracy. And this bloke, I feel like every kick he's ever had around the ground. He's not a forward, but he just feels like he flushes it every single time. And so I'm going to go... You know, he's now a a Lions champion. I'm going Danny Rich.
0: Yeah, You know, I sort
1: of... I thought long and hard about this one because I'm like, is he booming? Is he booming? But I checked his highlights. Yeah, he's got plenty of... He's got plenty of 60-metre-plus goals in his highlights. But more importantly, he just launches from the back line, you know? And that's just as important. Um, And obviously... He's one of the best kicks probably in AFL history when you think about it. He's just super accurate, great field kick. So I'm going um, Danny Rich just for a bit of accuracy factor.
0: Don't hate that call. Uh, he was sixth on my list Okay. behind the bloke that I will now pick who comes from a similar mold, a rebounding defender. Uh, He definitely has boom factor, but I also feel like his accuracy gets him over the line and uh, Yeah, I know I know who you're talking about. Probably not a bloke that gets a lot of lot of chocolates. Uh, but in this conversation, deserves definitely to be drafted. But I'm talking about the Bulldogs player, Matty Suckley. Oh wow. That is not who I thought you were
1: talking about. But you yep. you're bloody right. He yep. it was a phenomenal kick. Uh, as we sort of started this exercise, I was like, oh, I'm pretty sure Lindsay Gilby was a right, left footer, wasn't he? <laughs> but
0: unfortunately, he wasn't. Um, hey, guess what Guess what? But, the first name I wrote down was? I was like, Lindsay oh, Gilbey. Shannon Hearn's a lefty, isn't he? He's got a boobie kick. <laughs> oh, and then nah. I was like, hang nah, on minute. Nah, <laughs> that bloke's not a lefty. So, yeah, it's...
1: Yeah, well done. Well done. He's not even on my list. I, yep. I totally overlooked poor old Matty Sutton, but boy, he was a good kick. He Both. genuinely was one of the, the great AFL kicks in history. Okay. Well, I could go my guy who's number six, but I sort of thought you would actually pick this bloke. And even the way you were sort of like describing him, other than the doesn't have his chocolate things. I was thinking Grant Hoss mcburchill
0: Oh, also on my list. Yep. Obviously
1: you're right doesn't quite have the same boom factor that some of these guys have but just a a joy to watch field kicking wise but i'm actually going to skip over virtual who oh. was in my number 6 slot for just a genuine cult ah cult yeah cult, ah, yeah. Yeah, cult he- hero of the league and did have some absolute launches Roosts. yep yeah and you know you look at the bloke and you just say, uh, well, there's a guy who, who goes boom in a lot of ways. So I'm going to pick old Stewie Jew, um, particularly Port Adelaide days, but obviously had that 2008 cameo. This man could absolutely launch a, a ball and he, he actually was a genuinely great kicker, the footy, you know, just generally. So... Well, Stewie yeah, Jew is yeah. the man I'm going to go. Although there was one guy who's sitting at number eight who I was, I was kind of hoping the rest of the list got picked. So I would have to go with him as a bit of like a, a pivot. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll i go with Stewie Jew.
0: I was really hoping you were going to take Grant Birchall, and I was going to end this podcast by drafting Stuart Jew, but it was not meant to be. That's pretty, pretty solid four. You got, uh, what, have I, what am I rocking? Graham McKenzie suckling. Yeah, I feel I've got down two different routes. One of them is an active player. One of them doesn't really get enough recognition probably for his booming lefty. Neither is Grant Birchall. Sorry, Grant Birchall. Honourable mention. Uh, Probably throw Fraser Garrick into the honourable mentions as well. Who else have I got here that hasn't yet been mentioned? Luke Hodge was more accurate, mm. but has been known from time to time to kick for measure. Uh. But my final pick, I'm going to go Maddie Lloyd because Scotty Lucas had a booming left foot. Maddie Lloyd's left foot had some boom factor to it for sure. And I think as a key forward, you probably don't realize or remember like his boom factor. Not the same as Buddy, absolutely. But I still think that Lloyd, he had a hoof on him. Bont was the other one I was tossing up between. I thought I might give him, uh, give him a mention, but I think I'm going to round out my list quite happily with, uh, with Matty Lloyd.
1: That's a very nice pick. He sort of didn't get onto my list because he, I didn't, know, didn't think he had enough boom in him.
0: Yeah. You know, yeah. He was, I was, he was a, a
1: sharpshooter, but I, I wasn't sure he had enough boom in him. Um, the other bloke who I, I just wanted to, I had him sit in eighth. Just, it was, I don't know, obviously don't know a lot about the bloke. But he was one of the great athletes to ever play the game. And I reckon Polly Farmer would have been an absolutely booming left foot kick when he wanted to be, especially with those bloody heavy old balls they used to keep. The the ones that Malcolm Blight can kick 90 metres. You just can't do that with an AFL footy anymore. (laughs) I don't care who you are. So, yeah, I reckon Polly would have been a raking left footer if you would ever decided to absolutely launch, especially because they keep Give them on like torps back then. Yeah. But um, yeah, good good pick with Lloydy. That might sort of make your the aesthetic of your team on Instagram look a little bit more solid.
0: Yeah. I couldn't, uh, couldn't put Pete Riccardi up there. Otherwise, I would have had two Geelong players that no one uh, knew what their face looks like. Another solid lefty. Uh, I think most of the boys that fit this criteria we've mentioned um, Grant Birchall, perhaps the most honourable mention or the biggest snub from the list. Uh, if if only uh, you drafted him, then I could have took Stewie Jew, but that is what it is. So what, what's the quartet you ended with, reel off your four?
1: I, w- I obviously started with the best left foot kick of all no, time, no, 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 Buddy no, Frank. You,
0: you don't need to tell the audience what's going on. You just need a reel <laughs> off four names,
1: mate. <laughs> i got an absolutely smoke and left boot in Scotty Lucas, who I think Max. might be my longest. I think he might be my longest <laughs> yeah. kick.
0: If we had a kickoff, he'd he probably win.
1: Most boom. Uh, Danny Rich can just put it through the eye of a needle and obviously has a fair bit of boom to him as well. And uh, then Big Boom and Stewie Dew. I mean, it's in his nickname. It's yeah. in his new nickname, Boom <laughs> and Stewie. It's
0: in his common nickname that everyone uses, Boom and Stewie Dew. <laughs> So yeah, pretty I'm pretty form. happy
1: with, yeah, I'm pretty happy with it. What was yours again? You, yours up, is just going to look crap on Instagram. That's the problem. I, that's
0: okay. That's all right. The, the real, the real ones. No, uh, I got Benny Graham, Trent McKenzie, AKA the Canon, Maddie Suckling, AKA the uh, opposing Canon. And then Maddie Lloyd. So, you yeah, know, we, we, got, we got some names there. We got some people. You, like you might have it. more genuine boom. Yeah, see, people are probably just going to look at these two groups of four and they'll be like, oh, Scotty Lucas, Stewie, Jules, Lance Franklin. What you, who the fuck is Ben Graham? What's a Ben Graham? But, you know.
1: Yeah.
0: I think the real closer. ones be know Ben Graham. The real ones
1: group. know Benny Graham.
0: Yeah. It'll be an interesting uh, vote that we'll put to the Sportsby fans. Uh, I'm churning towards doing a podcast again later in the week. So I might have to uh, address the votes once I put them on social media tomorrow and hopefully I've drawn the ledger back to 1-1, but it's very possible that it might be 2-0. You've got to stop giving away the number one pick, mate. Yeah, I'll, you know what? We haven't decided what we're doing next week, but I'm, I'm taking it next week. I'll, I will get it yeah. Well,
1: just Let's just make it loser gets the first pick.
0: Great. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. So you're going to get the first pick. Hey, I uh, you did that. <laughs> All right. That's enough. I'm sick of, uh, sick of being abused. All this slander towards Ben Graham will no longer be accepted on the Sports by Fry Pot. No, thanks for sitting down again, J-Lo. Another one in the bank. We will catch you uh, next week. Rip Roy. Rip Roy.